Okay, so week two here of our September series, Who is Church? There are two kinds of people in the world. I say things like this all the time because I do. I just categorize people like this. I know there's, it's not quite that black and white, but there are two kinds of people in the world, those who love policy and those who do not. I think we should have a confession moment here. Maybe that's too linear, like I said, but either you like to read the fine print or your eyes glaze over after the first two sentences whenever you have to do something like this. Okay, let's just have a moment here. How many of you love to read the fine print, the policy? Yes! Oh, there's like a very small percentage, but some of you are there. I see you, and I, I see you, and I bless you, and I'm thankful for you. How many of you would like just a total glaze over after two sentences on any? How many of you have ever read the terms and conditions on all the things you've agreed to on your phone? Right, yes. Yeah, there's like, right, same people, you see. So there are two kinds of people in the world. I am definitely in the second category. Uh, when I read legal documents, bylaws, and policies, which, by the way, I actually have to do pretty frequently in this position here at the church, uh, I have to create a whole routine around it. Now, I don't always, but I do try to do this because it helps me. I have to, like, set up what I, if I can, I know it's bad for the environment, I, I try to print out said document because reading it on paper is easier for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I have to have a fresh coffee in its place right here. I have to have a red pen in my hand. Red pens are important. Um, because then you, have, then you can point to the words so that you don't skip while you're glazing over reading the, the fine print. Um, and I also, this is, the, this is my weakness. I really, I really try to be a grown-up and not do this. But the truth is, if I had it my way, I also try to complete everything else on my task list that is even remotely more interesting than that before I read policy and bylaw, right? Like this is just, I have a whole ritual around it. But I have to do it quite frequently. Um, and I do have to fight that urge to procrastinate, to skim read, to just generally be distracted when I'm doing those kinds of things. And I could never be a lawyer for that exact reason. That's just, I would be all that they do all day long. And I know a lot of you have professions where you have to do that all day long. And clearly, some of you love it. So bless you. And I'm thankful. Like, I love the body of Christ where we all have different things, right? The trouble is this, though. When you have an attitude like mine about these sort of things, there's, a, there's trouble there. And that is that these policies and bylaws and documents and whatever else help immensely. <laughs> they help us in our lives immensely. If the wording in a contract is not in your favor, you need to know that before you sign it. Right? You really, really need to know that. You need to be able to negotiate that point uh, so that it's better for you, so that it's, it's in your favor before you sign it. If a policy prohibits you from making a certain decision in your organization, you need to know that before you make that decision and get yourself into trouble or risk the integrity of a project. And I guess that's why we pay lawyers so much, isn't it? They get compensated for their extensive knowledge and schooling and all those things, of course. But we also hire them to read complex documents as though they were us and find what we can't in them, right? That's what we pay them for. And um, in some ways, we find this tension happening also here in the local church. And this morning, we're going to take a moment to think about, um, like, we, we don't think about the, the fine print. We don't think about kind of the, the structure and the way that we do things all of the time. Some of these things just happen behind the scenes. But I really wanted to bring them to the forefront, even if it's not everybody's uh, favorite thing. I promise I'm not going to read you the general operating bylaw, although I have read it many times with a coffee and a red pen and every distraction set aside. I've had to read it many, many, 
many times. And also, interestingly, I have to go to these documents often in leadership as a leader here in this church to help me with decisions and things that need to be made. So these things are important. That we don't bring them to the forefront very often. And so e even if we don't like them, even if they're not sort of our forte, and I am glad that there are people who they are, we, we need to take a moment sometimes and take stock of uh, why we do the things that we do and how we do the things that we do as a local church. And that's the idea of this morning. We need structure. We need to understand uh, the rules of engagement. We need to understand why we do what we do. But we also, along with that, the tension that the church always faces, that the church is not policy. The church is people. So how do we do both well and in a way that honors the Lord? Uh, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. In this series called Who is Church, of course, uh, last week we talked about the foundational theological concept of us being priests, the priesthood of all believers. We're not a hierarchy in Christ. There's not more important people and less important people. We are all equal in Jesus. And it is such a high privilege and a calling. And I hope that you heard that message. And if not, please go back and listen to it um, on YouTube or you can listen to it on the podcast. I just really want you to understand who you are in Christ. And today I want to talk to you about the members. Who are we? Why do we organize the way that we do? And how do we let the New Testament church, the scriptures, inform us and teach us how we are to be the church, be the church, not just have a church building, be the church, while translating that into the best way that we can into the reality of being the church in 2022. So I hope you'll find this helpful um, today and a refresher for some, maybe new information for others. So we're going to read three scriptures that give us information about belonging to the church, and then we're going to take some time to think about what they mean and how we can apply them. So we're going to take it from three perspectives. You guys can follow along on the YouVersion app, more in the events, uh, and then you can grab today's service. It's loaded up there for you. There's, of course, Bibles here in the, in the sanctuary for you, and uh, we're going to have it on the screen for you as well. So I'm not going to say much about them, just read them, and then we're going to unpack them together. So first I want you to hear what Jesus said about the church. Always start with Jesus. <laughs> Always start with Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus uh, did this remarkable thing that John records in his gospel, and he prays. He prays at the Last Supper, and, and it's, it's chapters long in the book of John. And part of his prayer in, in John chapter 17 is he prays for us. Did you know that? Like literally for us, for us who would be sitting in this room, for us who would be together and, and calling Jesus Lord. John 17, 20 to 23 says this, my prayer is not for them alone. And he's talking about the disciples. He's not, because he had just been praying for the disciples who were with him. He's like saying this now, my prayer is not for them alone. I, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So this is what Jesus is praying for us. I mean, just hold on to that, friends. Just like we could unpack that for weeks right now, but we're, we, that's not where we're going exactly today. But just hold on to that. 
Let's move then to what happened uh, when the, after the day of Pentecost, the first believers started to form what the church was going to look like uh, after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So the, the back end of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you start to see now from Jesus' prayer to what happens in the, the very beginnings of the church organizing, how things started to come together. And then let's move to, uh, a, to part of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And the church in Rome, so we're talking about uh, decades later, but the church in Rome is established and they're growing. And Paul writes a letter. In fact, so much of the New Testament is, is based on this. If you didn't know, they're called epistles or letters, and they're, they're, they're often... Uh, called after the church that they're written to. Sometimes they're, the, the books of, these, of the Bible are called after the person who wrote that particular letter. But these letters now to the churches, instructing them and showing them um, what to do next and how to, how to take what happened in Acts chapter 2 and to translate it into the everyday. And so we see this, but Romans 12 is just one example, uh, but there's so, many of, so much of this happening in the epistles all the way through the New Testament. So Romans 12, 3 to 13 says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So there's some instruction to the church. There's, like I said, again, there's so much of it in the New Testament letters. So let's go back to what Jesus said. What was Jesus primarily concerned about when he was praying for us, those who would believe? His primary concern was that we would be com in complete unity with one another and with him. That we would be modeling the unity of the Godhead himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being in perfect and complete unity. And his prayer for us that we would be able to model that kind of unity. Because Jesus knows that will say more about him to the world than we can even imagine. When we show that we are together and united and the way that we do that is in Christ. 
And the unity he's talking about is, is not gathering around a core doctrinal statement, but it is that deep and profound love that we experience in Christ, that's received from him, and that we return to Jesus in worship like we've been doing this morning. And we also, we also receive it from him and give it to one another in a relationship together that models him. Think about what uh, John says in his epistle. I keep using that word because I just want you to use it in a sentence this week sometime, okay? Um, his letter to, to the church, he said, he, and in John chapter 1, he says, uh, I know it in the King James because I learned it as a song as a child, but um, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who loves not knows not God, for God is love. Right, so this is the same author, by the way. So he's, he's bringing up these points. He's recorded Jesus' prayer, and he's now instructing the church in the same way. This love is nothing to be trifled with. It will literally show the world around us who Jesus is, because it's in unity with him. Jesus knows the power in unity together that people can see, that the world can see in the church. We absolutely do not aim for the lowest theological common denominator. But we, we, we do our absolute best to find uh, what the scriptures are saying to hold true to those things. And in that, to, to search for the heart of the gospel to joyfully sacrifice for one another, to commit together to our shared goals, to, to the commission that Jesus gave us, to support one another, and to depend, to depend on God for absolutely everything that we need. That's what we are gathering around. And Jesus makes this interesting statement. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Glory in scripture can mean a couple of things, but... Commonly, it refers to a manifestation of God's character or his person that's revealed in some way. So Jesus gave this glory of God to uh, his disciples personally, walking among them, revealing the Father, showing them the heart of the Father. He did that with his first followers, those who saw him and walked with him and knew him. And through them and through their message and through what they taught after he ascended into heaven, we also have received that same understanding, manifestation of God's character. And he did this, Jesus did this so that we could be one. We could be one like he is one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's such a beautiful and intense and heavy and freeing thing. It's just, it's an incredible thought to wrap your head around. That we carry the glory of God. And we display it with our unity as Jesus' church. So we can start to see how this looks at when it's practiced in real time, in the day-to-day -day lives of believers. Acts 2 starts, like I said, starts to put this together for us. It has a short description, but it's really, really powerful in the picture that it paints of what the church began to look like. 
Talk about the glory of God being on display in the church. They were learning and growing in the word daily. They had consistent fellowship. They did communion together frequently. They had faith for miracles. They had the the working of the Holy Spirit among them in so many ways. They shared what they had in common so that nobody went without. They worshiped together. They practiced hospitality together. And they saw life change because sure enough, when people witnessed what was going on in the church, people were being saved. And then the apostles went out from there and and went around planting churches and establishing them. And then we, we get a glimpse in these letters they wrote to the churches that they were coming from or going to and um, they, were, they were using these letters to teach and correct and rebuke and train each believer. And as the church grew, it needed to take the principles that it was built on, that Acts 2 passage, and ensure that those things were protected, ensure that those things were able to thrive. Leadership was established. Instruction was given. Each person was called to know their place in the body of Christ. And the Romans passage that we read is an excellent example of that. Paul As far as we can determine from the timeline of his life and the content of his letters, uh, had never been to Rome when he wrote this letter to them. He had heard about them and he wanted to share with them, he wanted to share with this church what they they needed to understand. Because he never, of course, knew how long he was planning to go there, but he wasn't quite sure how long it would take him to get there. There was always things that stopped him and distracted and and got in the way and shipwrecks and things, imprisonments, whatever, no big deal, like little things that got in his way from going sometimes where he he intended to go. And so he, he wrote this letter ahead of him going there because he wanted to make sure that they understood some really important things before he was able to get there and teach them himself. And in, in this 12th chapter, really, really well-known chapter, he tells them to offer themselves as living sacrifices. You might know that. That's if you're in Romans 12 with me right now, verses 1 and 2 here. In view of God's mercy. Like when you think about God's mercy, this is like the only reasonable thing to do is just to give your whole life as a living sacrifice to God and to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. We use this phrase a lot. This is where we get this from. We talk about life transformation here. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he gives these instructions out of that, out of that like preface in the beginning of Romans 12. He gives instructions to the church to know who they are and accept that. He says the church is a body and each member has a gift given from God uh, to work in that body. And he says you have to use that gift and you have to use it with the right motive. You have to be uh, mindful of making a contribution to the common good. And we know that these things, belonging to Christ, making a decision for Christ, this is not something someone else can do for you. It's an individual choice. We know this. But these directions here were given to the group, a group of people who had individually made their choice to follow Jesus. This is how the church is to function in order to exercise our faith, in order to walk in the grace that we've been given as members and as a whole. And this is the thinking that had to be at the forefront. This is the instruction. And the implication here seems to be in Romans 12 that we are not supposed to wait around for instructions. We're not supposed to wait around for, you know, writing on the wall, the audible voice of God to do something in the body of Christ. We're just supposed to walk humbly, be in unity, 
and to, uh, to receive and give out the grace that we've given and to do what is obvious to us, what we feel compelled to do in the church, and then to allow the Lord to direct us from there. If, if like, I like it, I just like, I don't know what Paul was thinking when he, or how he was saying it, when he was dictating this letter to whoever was writing it down for him, but it was like, if your gift is serving, then serve. Like, maybe he said it like that. Like, just do, like, you don't need special instructions. You don't need a name tag. Though they're cool. We'll give you one if you want one, whatever. But, like, just serve. If, you're, if, you're, if your gift is giving, then just do it generously. If you're, you know, just, you don't need special instructions from the Holy Spirit. Like, you're already gifted. Just go and do it. Like, go and do it. And then let the Lord direct you from there. My mom would always say to us, I haven't heard her say it in a while, but she used to say to us, you know, the Lord, he can't, Steer a parked car. Get yourself moving, and he'll show you what to do. Right. So we build these ideas together, and we allow scripture to counsel us in how we should think about life and church 2,000 or so years later. We've talked a lot about spiritual gifts in this church, about what it means to be the body of Christ. In fact, we're going to do a little bit of that in our next series in October uh, we're going to discuss in October, I'm excited about this one, about uh, what it means to be called. What does it mean to be called as a believer? Uh, we are going to talk about specific vocational calling, but we're going to talk about a lot of like the ways that we are all called and how to discern the call of God. Uh, but we also know, like we talked about last week, we are equal in Christ. We are called to be in unity with one another, and that displays the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in practical ways now, that we can, in our, through our gifts and, and through our membership to the body, we can display a commitment to the fellowship by choosing to belong to one another, to serve one another, and to allow that to be a witness to the world. So here at Freedom, in case you're wondering, we have formalized this process because, uh, like I talked about earlier about policy and bylaw and all of those things, there was a need to formalize this process, especially, I don't know that they did this in the early church, you won't read about it in scripture specifically like this. But in 2022, there's a need for this kind of thing. And formalizing a process for church membership uh, serves both spiritual and practical purposes for us. You can absolutely be a member of this local church in spirit, in your heart, be deeply committed to us together um, you can serve and you can grow here without formalizing. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. But we do believe in the step of membership in our church body because it helps us so much in church life and we actually believe it really, really helps you as well. You, you won't read about formal church membership. If you're like, Pastor, show me the chapter and verse, I will not be able to do that for you this morning. I absolutely can't. I've shown you in scripture a, a bit of a path through um, from what Jesus prayed to what we see in the early church to how the church is now instructed to be for one another and belong to one another. But we do believe that belonging in membership holds so much value in the local church and holds so much value for the life of every believer. I'm taking this, you'll see on, on the first slide, you can show it, Malachi. On the first slide, you'll see I'm taking this. If you're curious to go back, freedomkw.com slash membership, I'm literally going to share with you what's on there um, these are just out there for you to read at any time. We believe that in a culture that is notoriously low commitment, you know this about our culture. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, we'll be there for the barbecue on the weekend unless something else comes up that's more interesting or I don't feel like it, right? This is our culture. This is where we live. We know. 
In a, in a culture that is so low commitment, membership to a local church makes a bold statement that you're committed and that you're ready to say, I'm all in. This is my church. This is my church. I'm all in. Membership sets the standard in your home and with your family that active participation and engagement with the wider church family is vitally important to your spiritual development and to our collective ability to impact the world for Christ. When we have chosen to belong to one another, we know who we can count on as we go into the world together to share the message of the gospel. Membership facilitates mutual accountability among believers in the church. When you become a member, you agree to make yourself accountable to the body while you also agree to hold others accountable. This is a tough one, friends. But in truth and in grace, so much grace, but also in so much truth, we say, my life is not my own. I need someone to speak into my life, and I choose to make myself accountable to somebody else. To others who can see something in my life and say, you know what, I, there's a flag here, and I think we need to have a conversation about it. In the same way that you're not going to let somebody else, there's so much in, in the New Testament about this, you're not going to let somebody else wander away from the faith without saying, hey, 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 I see something in your life and I want to talk to you about it. It's not easy to be accountable, but it is life transforming. It's life transforming. Becoming a member gives you a voice in the decisions that the local church makes. You get to be a part of the discussion and prayerfully consider different aspects of the, of, of, of the life of the church. Um, I've heard some people say, oh, I would never want to go to, a, I don't want to be a member because I don't want to go to business meetings. <laughs> we serve treats at business meetings. Uh, there is, I, I know that's not, it, it seems boring to some, but I'll tell you what, being able to come around those tables and share vision and prayerfully consider what's next and to see, kind of get a picture and get, get renewed in the what the, the Lord is calling this local church to do. Uh, when you're a member, you get to be a part of that. You get to see what's going on. You get to, you get to, everyone can ask questions. Everyone can have an opinion. You don't have to be, I don't like see my emails, get a complaint in my inbox and be like, not a member, delete. <laughs> no, no, I would never do that. But when you, but being a member means you get to be part of that conversation. All the way along. All the way along. Practically speaking, maintaining a healthy membership in this church allows us to operate with integrity and full compliance as a registered charity in Canada. And you know why that matters? Because our culture does not trust the church in so many ways. And so when we are with integrity, our finances are open, we, have, we, we stay in compliance with everything that is needed, uh, there's nothing hidden, there's nothing behind the scenes, and we're making a statement together to say, we can, this, we can be trusted, we're not hiding anything here. So you're welcome to look at our finances, we, we publish them for you, uh, and if you want uh, like a really intense financial statement, those are public, you're welcome to see them. And so this allows us to stay um, Stay in compliance with that also makes a statement to our culture that says, hey, I know that you've heard some stories or maybe you've been a part of some things that weren't great. I just want you to know that that's not everybody and that's not us. We just, we're, we're an open book. You're welcome. You're welcome to see. You're welcome to hear. You're welcome to know. The only things that we keep confidential are, are things that are like in people's lives and are confidential that you would want us to talk about or publish, you know. And we, wanna, we really do want to stay above board and allow our neighbors and our community to know, hey, like we're, everything's open book here. We, we're, we're in compliance. 
And the truth is just that we can do far more to get when we're working together and committed to a common vision and a mission than we could ever do alone. It's just true. We're just like, the, the whole is, is greater than the sum of its parts in the body of Christ. I mean, that's an understatement for sure. And so to become a member here at Freedom, you're like, oh, you have convinced me, Pastor. Let's, please, let me sign up this minute. Uh, please prayerfully do so. Uh, if you're 18 years old or older, of course, you can fill out an application form. It's as simple as that. It goes to the board for approval. Uh, and then uh, if it's approved at that level, then you learn the secret handshake, and then you're off to the races. So that's how we do it. Was that funny? Does that not, did nobody else learn the handshake when they, Yeah. I usually like make a joke like that when I when I email people say hey your membership was approved so uh, you know Jim is just going to be coming over teaching the secret handshake uh, before you come into church again next Sunday whatever uh, you can you can do that on our website by the way freedomkw.com/membership all of that's there for you and um, it's also at the next at the welcome center Jack's there and he's got it in paper form if you want to see that and you're interested and you're saying to yourself yeah like membership like yeah for sure um, that's how you that's how you do it so let me say this. Um, let me just say this because I, I do try to write these messages and think about what you might be thinking as you hear them because I've had lots of conversations about membership with, with you guys over the years. I've heard some stories from people about why they hesitate to take out membership, like formalized membership. They're very committed to the, the church and they love the church and they're here faithfully and they give faithfully and all those things. I've heard the stories of why they even flatly refuse to ever formalize membership in a church. Some of them make me um, cringe, to say the least. Um, some of them really broke my heart. Like some of you guys have told me stories about things that have happened in, in your past with different uh, churches that really break my heart. There's manipulation or just the stories. The stories are not great, and I, I hear you, and I'm sorry that you walked through that. No local church is perfect. We are not perfect. <laughs> We're not perfect. We haven't done this system perfectly there's no such thing. What's perfect is Jesus' kingdom. And we're all going to, we're in it now, but someday we're all just going to be under his lordship and that's all that's going to be on the earth and we're looking for that day. And in the meantime, we're doing our best to be faithful to scripture here. No local church is perfect. And I'm so sorry for some of those stories that I know some of you carry with you. And I understand that that makes it difficult for you to commit to a, a, a local church like ours. But I, I also understand that um, choosing relationship in a church body means that you might get hurt or you might get disappointed because we're not perfect. I know that I've hurt people and I've disappointed them. But together, even with all of that said, together, committed to one another, in unity in Christ, like Jesus prayed for us in John 17, intentionally committed to fellowship and to, and to meeting the needs of one another, like we read in Acts 2, and forming one body and serving as one body with Jesus as the head, like we read about in Romans 12, we have a place that's actually very safe. It's a place to stay accountable. It's a place to forgive others and practice that and to be forgiven. It's a place um, to heal from so many things that go on in our lives. And to me, while uh, relationship always has risks, the benefits of belonging to the local church far outweigh the risks. 
I would rather be in life-giving relationship with you um, in this church than to keep you at arm's length just in case, every time. And so I choose you. I am a member of this church, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I have to be, that's, that's a thing. But I choose it, I, I choose that. And I do it gladly because you know that I am committed to you and that I'm here for you and, um, and that, that, that I know that you know I'm not perfect and I know you're not perfect, but we are committed to growing in Christ, fully devoted followers of Christ together. And so uh, that's what membership looks like. I hope that's helpful to you. I hope that it helps you understand a little bit more of our local church and why we do the things we do, uh, where we see in scripture that these things are needed and also how we want to live with integrity and unity um, as we, we show off Jesus to the world around us. So that's that. And again, I want to encourage you that if you've never thought about membership or you just think like, um, you weren't sure what it was all about. I hope this helps you. And if you need to continue the conversation with me, um, please find me. Um, I'd love to have a conversation about anything that would be concerning to you or any other questions that you have, absolutely for sure. You know I'm available to you. Um, but also, if that's a step that you need to take, you've been hesitating, but you're like, I actually, I do, actually, I just want to say I'm all in. I'm already all in. I just want to be all in. Why don't you go ahead and take this step of membership? It doesn't, you don't have to see the writing. I can write it on the wall if you need me to, but uh, you don't have to see that. We're just calling you to do that if that's on your heart to do. And one of the things, I mean, <laughs> I was saying to the team this morning, there's no altar call. Maybe we should have an altar call. Anyone who wants to repent for not being a member here at this church could just come, just come now. Uh, Marilyn's going to come and play just as I am. I come. <laughs> it's like, doesn't really fit, doesn't really fit the vibe. But one of the best things about uh, church, I talk about this a lot. You know I love, uh, I, I started as a worship leader, a worship pastor, and, um, and so that's kind of my thing. But I don't care whether you're musical or not. One of the things that we always do when we get together is sing praises. Why? Because there's something, I don't care whether you can sing or not sing, but one of the things that we do to, when we get together is to worship God. And music is all throughout scripture. So we know this is part of, uh, of our worship. And so um, I'm going to invite Matt, Matt and the team to come back. And I just thought, you know what? We've talked about this. You're, there are practical steps for you to take um, if you want to do this just so you understand. But even if membership is not for you or you're deciding no today, I do want you to understand why we do the things we do. But I just wanted to end this morning with the, another, which is another chance to worship together. That's what, remember, remember when we weren't able to gather? I don't know if you guys remember that. <clears throat> there was a couple of years there where it was on and off again. I can't tell you how many people came to me and said, the first time we were able to come back to church and I heard other people singing, I wept. Was that, that wasn't just me? Yeah. There is something about being in the body of Christ and worshiping together, and I thought that might be an appropriate way for us to finish, to be reminded why it is powerful to gather. Why scripture tells us to never give up meeting together because we need each other, we need to be together, and there's a power in us worshiping together, and I love being able to do that with you on Sunday mornings. So um, that's this. Next week we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be in leadership in this church. What, who are the leaders? How do we find them? And uh, what, what does that mean? And I hope you'll also find that really helpful. And this morning we're going to worship, then Matt's going to dismiss us, and, um, and then I'm going to invite you to go and get yourself some grown-ups only back-to-school stuff 
from my heart to yours. So let's stand and pray, and then let's end in a, a moment of praise and thanksgiving. Father, thank you for your church. When we think about the church, it's, it's, um, you, did, you could have set this up a lot of different ways, Lord. You could have allowed us to believe in Jesus and then just do our own thing, but Scripture is so clear that you've called us to belong to one another, to serve one another, to serve together, and to impact the world for Christ. And so we are really grateful when we look around this room to know that there are people who we are arm in arm with, who are, um, who are hands to the plow, doing the work of the ministry together. There are those who share belief and share the same heart. Those, there are those among us who, um, in our lives, who, who are represented here now, who we together are pursuing the heart of God. Even when we don't understand everything, when we have questions, there's a place to ask them. When we're in trouble, there's a, a place of help. When, the, when we're hurting, there's a place of healing. And that you've given us one another to represent you on the earth. And it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible what you've done, Lord. We hear your prayer for the church, Jesus, that we would be walking in unity. And so we commit ourselves again together in that. We want to be uh, loving each other, belonging to one another, representing the unity that you have with the Father and you have with us to the world around us. So help us, Lord, as we endeavor to be the church you've called us to be. And thank you for the gift of one another. We are so grateful to see you in the hands and feet, in the words and actions of your church. Help us to also, in our lives, to be uh, in this place who you have called us to be and to serve how you've called us to serve. And we thank you for the opportunity for all of it. And Jesus' church said, amen. Let's worship before we dismiss this morning.